Hi, this is Alex Hicken with the Berrykin Bros Podcast, recording episode 24 of season 3. Um, Nick was with us last episode, and that episode was a little messed up because Trevor tried to record with uh, his um, iMac and GarageBand. He's not used to that uh, program. But uh, yeah, how are you doing, Trevor? Yeah, I'm back on the Chromebook because uh, the iMac did not work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if I were you, I'd probably explore other uh, recording apps in the App Store. Yeah, maybe I'll just find like the simplest app ever. Like I already using it. <laughs> yeah, the most simple MP3 recording app. <laughs> Just it's make sure it doesn't proof. have ads in it. <laughs> I don't care about ads. I have ads in this one. What did this app have? Like a random ad one time, or was it a different application? What? I don't know. Oh, well, one time it kind of burst on us at a random ad. Oh, that was because the article just had a pop under thing. So do you have anything to share before we get into our topics? I bought the Lloyd tickets for next year, May 3rd. Do you want to go? Really? (laughs) That's like 11 months away. Yeah. You said it's in San Francisco? Yep. Do you think she'll have a new album out by then? Yeah, it's coming out, like, later this month or next month or something. Nice. Is was that her second album? No, it's like her fourth album. Hmm. I remember the first one took, like, ten years of development or something. Is that right? I don't know. Lloyd is, like, 24 now. Hmm. Well, yeah. That's probably not 10 years then <laughs> if she's only 24. And uh, okay, never mind. Yeah, she's been around for a while already, and it's 10 years minus that was not make any sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know what else. I was going to say something else, but I forgot. I kind of feel like social media actually works (laughs) because this guy he's a creative person I was thinking of inviting him to the podcast but he wanted an invitation to purchase a a yacht so I gave him a invite one of my invites so I thought that was pretty cool that I was able to contribute to someone's exploration of yet yet you want to share the nickname that you put on twitter for your <laughs> yet and yourself <laughs> yeah it's just red hot chili penguin red hot chili what what'd you say red hot chili is that it? Red Hot Chili? 
Yeah, and the penguin. Say red hot jelly penguin. <laughs> it's like Dragon Bolt, but the last emoji is just kind of extra. I know some of the yeah, the people do that also. So I was like, might as well just hang hang off the penguin as the emoji. Oh, you just wrote red hot chili and had the penguin at the end. Yeah, it makes more sense. It's shorter. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of did the same thing with Dragon Bolt, just because spelling out money mouth is kind of weird. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, Trevor's Yat is a chili pepper, uh, no, it's, the rock uh, on hand. Pepper, rock on, star penguin. <laughs> <laughs> the red pepper, the chili pepper emoji. Uh, the rock on hand, the star, just a generic star, and the penguin. <laughs> oh, yeah, speaking about spicy, I had to buy this uh, ghost pepper grande, and I had some today, and it's a very hot day outside, like, sweating here, and didn't help that I put, like, some in my pizza I got, so, yep. Oh, you that was the ghost pepper that you made yourself? No, it's from Trader Joe's. They have like a grinder that you have to. It comes with the in the bag. Comes with the peppers like kind of in it. Oh. And then I had to carefully open the bag up so I don't get it everywhere, and I didn't want to like get it on my hand and then like touch my eye or like burn myself. So that's yeah. And then I like did spill a little but i put that on my pizza so i didn't waste it and that was super hot <laughs> that's cool yep that's uh where i got my name from it's uh Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah so a little update on the launch of season four it's still season four is still in development the main features of season four uh, has not been launched yet. I got uh, Kyler to, um, what's it called? I asked him to consider some of his songs that he currently has that might be a good theme song for the podcast. And it'll be temporary until he makes a song dedicated as a theme song to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I could share those with you and you could participate in the decision. He sent about five songs and he suggested specific parts of the song. So, yeah, that'll be exciting to review tomorrow and put that to this. It's kind of like a soft launch of season four but yeah season i'm still calling it season three until all the features are implemented i also asked kyler to design a thumbnail for dedicated to this season and yeah so that's the progress on that cool yeah the season four i was thinking like maybe you could uh 
when it's just us two, like just instead of trying to figure out the cross screen record stream recording, um, maybe you could just like come one day and then we could just like uh, do it on the iMac or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we could just sit next to each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did download, uh, was it Green Room? That's like uh, Spotify's new uh, like clubhouse type app. I thought that we could record it and just publish it early f- as like part of the Talk to You Later show and kind of a less formal version of the podcast. We could have the before and after. <laughs> but uh, before this podcast, we were just preparing the whole time and we didn't really say much. Yeah. So you're going to update. Do you remember the company that like got funding from a bunch of different companies, including Google in India? Yeah. They, uh, they started uh, getting into hardware. They started with what? a couple of feature phones that had some smart capabilities what's the company called is it like rio geo geo platforms geo something but anyways this is the same company developed a phone in partnership with google they said it's going to be available in india september 10th everyone's optimal or optimized version of android um Supposedly, it's going to be like one of the most cheap uh, smartphones ever. Mm-hmm. Um, they're calling it Next Geophone Next. Um, yeah, so it's pretty crazy. Yeah, I heard that Google is going to support it pretty well. Did you uh, read about that? It said it's ultra affordable and packs cutting edge features. Sundar P- Pichai says, Our teams have optimized a special version of Android specifically for this phone. It is built for India and for users who will experience a smartphone for the first time. So it sounds like, yeah, they're going to support it really well because it's a special version of Android and it's not like anyone can... Oh, wow. <laughs> can uh, keep uh, main- maintenance on the special version if it's just... Yeah. yeah, it's probably optimized for, like, uh, cheaper hardware, I would think. Yeah, it reminds me of Android Go, but maybe this is, like, a step further. Does it have a special name for the Android version? Nope. Hmm. Yeah, um, <laughs> I got excited also because there's this, uh, I saw a Tamagotchi, and I was like, oh, cool, I like Tamagotchi. Do you remember... <laughs> I mean, yeah, of course you remember Tamagotchi because we had like yeah. five around the house. It's like we would like lose one and then we had like two in my mom's room just sitting there. <laughs> yeah, I remember when I was bored and I explored like iOS or the App Store. And I, I think I downloaded the Tamagotchi app and I had one for a little bit, but I got bored of it and figured it was a distraction. <laughs> Yeah, my favorite one is a uh, Digimon one, but I'll touch on that later. 
Anyways, this is uh, the next installment of that. Instead of being like a little thing in your pocket, it's a wearable. You like wearables, right, Alex? Yeah. Yeah. Um, this one is, it looks pretty much the same. It's like round face, but it's on a wrist uh, band. But <laughs> it's kind of interesting. It has the touch features, but also you can uh, talk to it. It has voice recognition. So you can do voice controls. <laughs> oh, that's weird. Um, it does come with some basic fun- functions like digital clock, pedometer, and even connect with a friend, like if they have one. That'd be cool. It's just like battled out. I don't know how much that would be. Just like pushing a button and seeing what happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's basically what it was before. <laughs> it was like Rochambeau. Yeah. This is uh, Mark's 25th anniversary of Tamagotchi. I didn't know it was that young, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's supposed to release in Japan for now. But um, hopefully it gets released outside. I'd get it. <laughs> yeah, you... You've been uh, lacking wearable technologies lately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People just wear it to work and, oh, what's that? That's my Tamagotchi. <laughs> yeah, so you can't wear that at work. Oh. But it might die. <laughs> oh, it's not a watch, though. It's it's a digital <laughs> pet. <laughs> the the article mentioned something about the Digimon having one, so I had to look into that, obviously. Yeah. They had one that released in March. It seems like it's even more complex because <laughs> you have, like, uh, quick and dynamic battles, and there's an app log, so you can save the battle records. Uh, I guess there's some kind of, like, area data customize the background and some kind of memory card you can put into it I don't know that one says it's pretty cool but I don't know much about Digimon anymore it's like probably double or triple amount that there was when I was watching it yeah I was exploring iOS this week and I saw like a weird Digimon app it was like Digimon re-rise it's like okay <laughs> <laughs> I th- that doesn't make much sense. It's like rise, but again, again. <laughs> yeah, I wonder how much they'd sell that smart uh, Tamagotchi watch. I feel like it should be like eighty bucks or something, maybe less than that. Yeah, so it looks super simple. I think uh, it could probably be made for like probably five bucks and they should probably <laughs> sell it for maybe <laughs> like uh, 30 bucks. <laughs> That's what I would think it, it should be worth. <laughs> yeah. If it has the same technology, if it, I don't know, if it updates to like a bat like backlit screen and stuff it might be worth more <laughs> it looks like it has a bat like a backlit screen hmm. yeah i think i would choose the G- digimon one rather than the 
<laughs> boring Tamagotchi that doesn't that all you do is just feed it and that's about it. <laughs> Apparently there was a Tamagotchi anime in a movie. I never knew that. That's cool. <laughs> Well, my first uh, topic was uh, uh, a topic suggested by a listener. Uh, grateful for his participation. His name is Tyson Marsden. Yeah, he sent me an article. It's about. Uh, it's mainly about Mesa, Arizona, and how recently. Uh, the Intermountain West has been in a drought. Uh, Mesa, Arizona has endured the lowest precipitation over the past uh, 12 months. (laughs) The worst rate in uh, 126 years. This article brought up the fact that there's a bunch of data centers that are built in these areas because um, energy is abundant, especially since there's a lot of sun. So that running it is kind of affordable and water is sometimes, or most of the time is more affordable than paying for electricity. In this low precipitation rate, we have come to a drought the worst in uh, many decades these uh, data centers consume millions of gallons of water each day and uh, Mesa Arizona actually approved a new data center to be built on May 17th it's for some company it's kind of obscure, but they have they're funding it. Some leaders don't think it's wise, especially when we're in a drought, to approve this. But he uh, wanted to know my thoughts. My background is uh, construction management, and. From my knowledge, especially recently since I work in the civil industry doing uh, more infrastructure work, I have come to realize that the city basically controls or approves every development, <laughs> basically most most developments in their city. So if there is a city or a region that is come to emergency situation and they have this (laughs) data center that uses millions of gallons of water a day Um, it's the city's position to uh, negotiate and figure out a way to establish a more sustainable um, system for their city to preserve the nourishing resources of their stewardship and make sure (laughs) the citizens of that city (laughs) 
has the supply of uh, their necessities. <laughs> the article was really good to point out that these big corporations seeking to build these um, data centers are not just completely ruthless. They don't really care. They're just burning, not really burning, kind of, it's basically burning, <laughs> burning water. It's They're using the water to cool their uh, equipment so it would evaporate and kind of consume it that way. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that's my opinion. I think it's the city's um, role to protect their stewardship and make sure that the land is being developed in a sustainable way and they supply the needs of the residents. Um, yeah, the citizens don't really have much control over how the water is used. It's more of um, the city. Like, a citizen may choose to, like, not leave the water on while they're washing their hands, but this data center using up millions of gallons each day will have more, way more of an impact than just your little daily impact and daily habits. You, you'll contribute a little bit, but the city leaders have a lot more influence <laughs> over that. Yeah. Yeah, so thank you, Tyson, for your participation. Uh, Trevor, do you have any thoughts about that, or should we move on? Uh, nope. I did order a new sparkling water flavor, so that's... A- exciting <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i got the limited edition uh this is brand it's our brewer that pretty good they have pretty good flavors this one's ginger uh mayo lemon so it'd be a good contrast yeah that's a good combination <laughs> lemon and ginger sounds good yeah it's uh not as shocking as uh, the next uh, team changes that San Francisco has for the Overwatch team. Yeah, their team has been slacking lately. Yeah, hopefully this gives them a little boost. The mm. Shock played today, but I don't want to spoil it. Uh, I need to watch it still. They were playing was at work, so there's no way I could have. Yeah, so the one of the longtime DPS striker, he carried fights from 2018 till early season 2021 he was the mvp for the grand finals in 2020 yeah but he surprised to announce his retirement like the next guy that uh we'll talk about hmm. he's one of the all arguably one of the best uh tracy players Nice. Yeah, he made a little montage, like, clip video of him on Twitter. It's pretty nice. <laughs> yeah, so in place of him, you get the the same person who retired last year returned from his 
brief uh, experience with Valorant. <laughs> he had uh, ditched uh, the Overwatch League because he felt like uh, the stress was taxing on him, so he decided to go play Valorant. But he's back from his early retirement in the Owl League, Overwatch League. He's back on the shock. <laughs> yeah, he came back. He is also, he was a, so his name is A&S, but his nickname, also known as A&S, A-N Sniper. So it's A-N's and Sniper. Uh, yeah, he's a good widow, uh, and McCree, probably one of the most dangerous uh, rookies last year. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he's a welcome addition. Hopefully he can... Uh, bolster up the team for some wins. <sighs> yeah. So is the shock? Do they have a all star team, or do they have some kind of newer people? Well, we had what's his name, the biggest guy. He left last year. Mm-hmm. He was like the team leader, remember? And uh, I feel like kind of like what you'd say as like Steph Curry to the uh, Warriors is what he was to the Shock so after he left it kind of fell apart yeah but um, hopefully ANS who who was on that team was can bring back some team spirit hmm yeah I'm excited to watch it I'll probably watch it later today or tomorrow and Maybe write something on it. Yeah, we have the new Dragon Ball website you could post to. I could take your posts that you previously wrote also and put it on there. (laughs) Show a little history and content to uh, uh, productions. (laughs) Hopefully uh, the shark can actually get somewhere this year. It'd be pretty sad to have such a reputation and lose it all and <laughs> yeah yeah so that's the my overwatch updates <laughs> yeah i have a update that i'm going to talk about too it has to do with ethereum i am going to talk about the eip 1559 eip stands for uh, ethereum improvement proposals Right now in the crypto market, people are kind of unsure whether the bull market is ending or not. And I'm hoping that this uh, proposal will uh, bring more stability to Ethereum. Um, It is expected to be implemented in July, but uh, on the 20th, they successfully implemented um, EIP-1559 on the testnet uh, Rupston. This uh, proposal is also known as the London Hard Fork. Hmm. The way that uh, this proposal will bring uh, stability and possibly raise the value of ETH, the currency, is that 
it will help regulate the fee structure and it'll help and with that it'll help with the congestion it brings transparency to the fee structure and there's now yeah the previous system was uh you would just bid just guess <laughs> they would have a system to like estimate like <laughs> oh based on the bids of what people pay for gas you will most likely get your transaction through within a certain period of time hmm. and the more money you pay the quicker your transaction will be completed so this uh, system is still kind of there but it is a lot it's going to be a lot more formal with EIP 1559 because there is a standard fixed fee that will be it's implemented by Ethereum itself it's not going to be asked by the miners. What happens is that ETH takes this fee and does something with it that I'll explain later. But what happens after that is that if you want your transaction to go through quicker than the average, you would just put a, there's a, a tip option to incentivize the miners to do your transaction before other people. So the more tip you give, the more likely that you'll get your transaction through faster. Hmm. This uh, EIP, this proposal, I think it'll standardize the tip to make it... Uh, like 20% or whatever. <laughs> you know how when you go to a restaurant, you kind of have a standard of what you do for tipping. Um, I think it'll formalize that so it's not so crazy and you don't have control over how much you tip or pay for fees. There would be, you would have more control over what you pay for to get your transaction in. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So the thing that will make the ETH price more stable and deflationary is that the Ethereum fee, the base fee, will be burned. Another name for ETH is gas. It's kind of like the fuel that runs Ethereum with EIP. 1559 it truly becomes a gas where the ETH is being consumed with the transaction so that will bring the supply down in making it more scarce and increasing the value of ETH hmm. interesting yeah I think that this will stabilize Ethereum for 
probably the rest of the year and I don't know how long it'll go up. I don't know about this bull market. It seems like it's been going down a little bit, but I, I'm hopeful that EIP 1559 will make Ethereum more functional for people and it'll increase the value of it and everybody will be more satisfied with it. Cool. Yeah, I'm not super uh, tacky about the whole crypto and blockchain market. I did uh, see that this game, the decentralized uh, video game, officially came out. It was backed by Ubisoft and another company I can't remember. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's a decentralized game, so it's never going to go down. You could contribute your own code make your own stuff and it's all free that's cool uh, what game is you it? can buy like certain things you own assets which is kind of like built on the blockchain so you can have like some kind of value to what you own it's on windows um it's called nine chronicles nine chronicles yeah. Uh, I see on Brave that uh, they, this company called Gaia or Gia, they advertise their decentralized gaming platform where you could contribute by like being part of the server or something. So it's more decentralized than relying on a centralized server. And you're be like a minor kind of and you'll be paid for contributing but yeah that's uh, <laughs> something similar like I don't know yeah I think the decentralized thing that you're talking about would probably be similar yeah I've been following it for a while it's I think it's just Windows and Linux based at the moment so for Mac you probably have to run some kind of uh, VM or emulation software to play it on Windows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of Windows, uh, yeah, you know how that last week, we, or not last week, because we don't have the episode, but we talked about it. The recording didn't come through, but we talked about how Windows 11 leaked and how I wasn't impressed. Nick was, I guess, uh, what is it called? when you don't really care, I guess it's good for them. Yeah, so the Windows 11 announcement happened uh, yesterday. Mm -hmm. And this uh, gave us a release uh, and how and when it's, how you'll get it. It's a free release for any Windows 10 uh, owners. I guess this is the first major version update since the initial 2015 release of Windows 10 which is crazy it's been 6 almost 7 years mm -hmm. um, yeah so we talked about how <laughs> basically they took the best elements from macOS and put in trying to make it their Windows version of it. So they have like a mission command kind of thing. What is it called? Con 
command control control command yeah yeah um they centered the dock and have a little more style everything's rounded so it's more i guess modernized um yeah I watched a couple videos about Windows 11 and I kind of thought it was just like a rebranding. It wasn't anything really special. Yeah. It seems like it's like Windows 7 again. <laughs> the most uh and like the biggest features were like being able to save like screen configuration on multiple monitors. Yeah, snap layouts is exciting. That that would be very useful for me at work. Yeah, I'd use because that I too. always have to like put it back to how I had it before. I wonder if other does uh I bet you there's some way Linux or macOS users could figure that out. It's probably some kind of macro you can do or like a kind of automation, right? This is just like an easy one click thing that I feel like Windows user will get. Yeah. And the second one, the second big thing was that you could have Android apps. But uh, yeah, it kind of opens up the ecosystem a little bit more to have more applications. Do you know what the catch is, though? Yeah, I watched MKBHD's <laughs> thing. Oh, you did? I didn't watch it. Yeah. I just read about it. It's so dumb. <laughs> Yeah. Do you want to explain it? Uh, sure. It's pretty easy to explain. Um, so Google has a marketplace for all their apps, which includes all the Google apps, which is almost like essential to an Android uh, ecosystem. Um, but for some reason, Microsoft and Google aren't really working together on this android uh integration into <laughs> windows 11 so uh -huh. they worked with amazon for some <laughs> weird reason and the amazon <laughs> app store is not even worth talking about it's it's probably going to benefit amazon more than anything windows is getting like Probably, it's probably going to run the apps fine, but I mean, you're not going to have much of a selection. I read somewhere like you can't even find like Pokemon Go. Not that you're going to want to play that on Windows 11, anyways. <laughs> but still, like the most basic of apps, if you can't even find that, it's pretty sad. Huh? Yeah, it's basically using the the Amazon as like an emulator on your computer. I think it's something to do with like the processor can built into Windows, kind of like how Linux they've kind of worked together with that to have it built in. Yeah. But um, yeah, I wonder like how far deep that goes in. Like if since it doesn't have Google, like it won't be able to download anything Google apps. So there's no Google. Um, what is it called? the setting the special google layer on top that enables all that mm -hmm. it's supposed to work on both intel and amd chips alike so it's nice to know the next update was 
uh, the next improvement they added to is for those gamers who uh, play on PC, which most of them will. They don't, you never hear of any Linux gamers. Uh, <laughs> they added a couple good updates to that, which include HDR. I think it was like HDR feature that basically enables it for gaming. And the other one, it's, I think it's called direct storage. And so instead of running it through your processor and into the graphics chip or card, uh, it can skip the processor and all the powering all the like graphics card would start first instead of having to kind of funnel down into it you know mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so it seemed like a pretty important update yeah yeah the whole appearance like the new skin is kind of not noteworthy but the gaming part is kind of cool to have a <laughs> nice update there I feel like most people wouldn't use Android on a Microsoft uh, device. Would you, if you had Microsoft still? No, it'd probably be just like the option to have Linux apps on Windows. It's like nobody uses it. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, coming out late. Well, they didn't say, but later on it was specified basically late October this year. It's to be rolled out. I have an update about uh, Brave Search. They launched, they launched it to make the beta program available to the public, so anybody could type in search.brave.com and they could access it without being part of the, like, part of the program, like I was. There's not much uh, for me to say about it. The features that I that they are claiming to do has not come out yet. But I do have one thing that I would like to talk about. <laughs> um, one thing, when I was looking around uh, the Brave Search, it has, in the settings, it shows this. They have an independence index. It's kind of interesting because it seems like Brave Search integrates the results from other uh, search engines into uh, their results that uh, ensures to have good results, kind of. When somebody clicks on their links, it shows that their the Brave Search is more dependent on Google or Bing or Yahoo or something. And when they click on Brave Search's results, it shows that the Brave Search is more independent from other search engines. So, Trevor, you want to guess the, the global independence index what percentage would you say of people click on uh, brave results rather than other search engines results or contributions or yeah to the results 
100% because Google's the best resort. Brave Search is 87% independent, basically. That's the global index. Like, 87% of the time, people are clicking on Brave Search results rather than the anonymous results that come from other search engines. Yeah. Um, these search these results are integrated into the results <laughs> of Brave, as I have explained. But um, I haven't. I didn't say that it was anonymous. They just put it inside there, and they don't say it's from Google. I think if they did say if it was from Google, they'd probably just say like, "Oh, this is a good result because it's from Google," and click on that. But since it's anonymous, it kind of makes it more uh, unbiased, maybe. Um, yeah, so I would say according to the results, they have a B. If they're maybe in the 90%, they have an A. So I think their results are pretty good. I searched... Uh, the dragon, bolt, and money mouth emoji. And if I put it into Google or DuckDuckGo, nothing like hints at me owning that the configuration of uh, emojis. But mm -hmm. when I put it into Brave Search, it brings up. Uh, um, Mastodon, where I have shared that I own that combination of emojis according to Yat. And also, it shows the Very Hicken Bros podcasts in the results, where I also share the link. What do you think about that, Jerry? That's cool. Yeah. I use it. It works fine. It has a pretty graphically or a pleasing user interface where if you start typing it doesn't just show a generic text auto um, populate thing if you type stuff it will show some possible results like oh maybe you're typing in this name and it shows the person and like possible op options beneath hmm. so it's it's kind of nice. And if you typed in like a calculator, it brings up a calculator. If you, if you type in ETH price or some other cryptocurrency price, it'll show a display, a graphical display about it. So it's nice. It's not a straight up search engine. Yeah. Yeah, I was uh, kind of like amused or like kind of like happy to see that like one of the people I follow on Twitter had tweeted like, oh, the Brave uh, search engine is finally available in beta, uh, in beta now. Mm -hmm. It's not just you, it's a lot of tech heads that are excited for a new, more secure, private search option. Yeah, I think uh, it's kind of interesting because... Brave is a huge browser. It's probably it's probably competing with the 
Firefox. I don't know. It's one of the up there as one of the most popular browsers. I kind of wonder if if Brave has more users than DuckDuckGo, and if Brave could like uh, integrate their users and supplement that and put that into their search engine to make it more mainstream and make it profitable for them. Yeah. Because a lot of people have explored search engines, but if you don't have any user base, there's like no use of maintaining it. <laughs> yeah. A lot of search engines have come and, come and gone now. Do you remember that uh, Microsoft so- social network kind of search engine type thing? <laughs> I don't no. know if you ever used it, but it was called Social. Nope. Yeah, for some reason, you would, like, easily share your results or searches, like, among people in the network, <laughs> and people would see your, what you're looking into. <laughs> mm, fun. It's a weird social network <laughs> yeah, based on a search engine. <laughs> wouldn't get behind that one. <laughs> Hopefully, Brave can brave the search engine wars and succeed at being a secondary alternative instead of just DuckDuckGo. Yeah, I think just as long as it's profitable for them, they'll still maintain it. So I don't think it'll be going away. Yeah. Yeah, Stephen uh, Hawking's is, he's a very intelligent guy. Apparently, he had a theory that hadn't been confirmed until recently. It makes sense. There's these two theorems that he's come up with. It's uh, using gravitational waves, which is ripples in space-time. Um... And this is using the merging of two distant black holes. The theorem comes from Einstein's theory of general relativity, relativity, but his term. So it says that um, it's impossible for a surface area of black hole to decrease over time. And the other thing is that it sets another rule. That is the second law of thermodynamics, which is the entropy or disorder of a closed system must always increase. And since a black hole's entropy is proportional to its surface area, both must always increase. Um, But there is also another rule that kind of contradicted it, saying that if you... Something about black hole that it eventually would shrink. Kind of like if you... This uh, this article um, compared it to like having a water, like a pot of water boiling, you have a bunch. Yeah, the volume's being evaporated, but it's not like the water's disappearing. But in the pot, it's smaller. 
so they're trying to figure out like which one of these rules works and which one breaks so they had to put hmm. these both these two black holes and analyze it using um a what is it called they called it like a simulation obviously yeah <laughs> Uh, and they started out with it being 1.3 billion years ago and they had it the results cut in half from the beginning of the merge and after the merge splitting the signal into two halves and they calculated the mass and spin of both the original black holes and then the new combined one these numbers allowed them to calculate the surface area of each black hole before and after the collision. And one of the quotes says, As they spin around each other faster and faster, the gravitational waves increase in amplitude more and more until they eventually plunge into each other, making this big burst of waves. What you're left with is a new black hole. It's in this excited state, which you can then study by analyzing how it's vibrating. It's like if you ping a bell, the specific pitches and duration it rings will tell you the structure of the bell, but also, and also what it's made of. But yeah, eventually they figured that the two surface areas of the newly created black hole is greater than the initial two combined, um, confirming that uh, theory of Hawking's more than 95% level of confidence. Wow. So <laughs> That's yeah. crazy. If two black holes merge together, the mass is greater than both of them combined. <laughs> yeah, the surface area. Yeah, so... The, the surface area is greater than both of them when they were separate. Then they also wanted to figure out if it shrink. They wanted to see if they could throw something in there at a certain speed that if you throw it fast enough it will spin and uh basically reduce the size of it uh let mm -hmm. me see if i can find that one it explains it a lot more easier than this one did let's see this one the first one of a space.com this one's an interesting engineering it's a good name uh <laughs> The MIT researchers Mag Maximilian and Will M. Farr, <laughs> his good names, and others wondered uh, whether it would be possible to toss objects inside a black hole hard enough to make it spin enough to decrease this area. And when they tested it out, they figured out that it doesn't shrink, so confirmed that also. Yeah. So how did they confirm that? Did they model it or did they observe? I think it was like based simulation off of observations did. over time. I think they just did the simulation and followed through with it. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder how they determine the accuracy of all these things. <laughs> Anyways, that was the cool one I thought was fun to read. The next one I read, let's talk about the first storm. 
of a black hole and how it relates to galaxies, what the relationship is. Basically, uh, galaxies are fed by black holes through the winds that are created and that blows up the material that galaxies use to form and create their uh, stars and everything that revolves around them. I don't exactly know how it says in this illustration it says it's uh, a galactic wind driven by a supermassive black hole located in the center of a galaxy the intense energy emanating for the black hole creates a giant a huge flow of gas that blows away the interstellar matter that is the material for forming stars Hmm. some kind of energy blast emits all this gas pushes everything out makes sense there's no atmosphere out in space so gas is what would be the wind when we think of wind here we just think it's air but it's still oxygen and whatever is the exact uh, compound we breathe in yeah it's uh, basically hot air and the cool air trying to equal out somehow or sometimes when it's too hot it pulls in cool air and tries to equal things out and make so all these black holes pushing around all these molecules and the gases trying to settle out and may cause some crazy reactions and um, relationships. <laughs> yeah. They used a telescope in Hawaii that found uh, more than 100 uh, galaxies, supermassive black hole duos, that lie at least 13 billion light years from Earth, meaning they existed more than 13 billion years ago. <laughs> What's well, how long light took to reach Earth. They say whatever the Big Bang occurred was 13.82 billion years ago. So they're saying it's pretty young. Pretty young universe back then. Uh, And they said the ALMA data, this is the Atacama Large Millimeter Submillimeter Array. It's a network of radio telescopes in Chile. (laughs) They revealed that a galaxy called... HSCJ, a bunch of numbers, featured a galactic wind traveling at about 1.1 million miles per hour, fast enough to propel <laughs> lots of material outward and hinder star formation activity. <laughs> wow. It says it was a record breaker, also. <laughs> yeah, winds don't have to be. Uh oxygen and whatever combination we have of elements in our atmosphere the winds could be any other gases combination out there in in outer space yeah so that was the the earliest known supermassive black hole storm (laughs) that's interesting how many billions of years ago was it 13.1 13.1 Yeah, that's young. 
<laughs> yeah, it's like uh, just a little older than me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's the uh, astrophysics uh, news for the week. Yeah, got some big news for the week. Stephen Hawking's theory has been confirmed. Do you remember what the theorems were? The theorems were um, black holes can't shrink. No, well, the the thing was that black holes surface area never stops increasing. And in turn of that, entropy never stops either. Stops increasing. Entropy is disorder, which is uh, equal to the amount of surface area black hole has. So they both increase forever. Hmm. That's crazy. <laughs> Doesn't say how fast they increase, but they still increase. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm thankful for your contribution. I'm thankful for Tyson's contribution and Kyler suggesting some theme, new theme song so we could get season four, uh, all the features and show what uh, we could do as uh, for this next season. I'll talk to you later. Later.